And this moment is that time when we yield so that God, by His Spirit, may speak to us. And I've said over and over that the Word of God is not a knowledge for your head. It is designed to transform your life. Somebody say very loud, Amen. And that will be your portion in the name of Jesus. And so, this morning, we want to come to a place of conclusion, as it may be, with respect to the same subject we've been sharing and discussing since February. And I need you to pay very close attention. And so this morning, I'm speaking to you on living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, Amen. Let me hear you say that living, say it like you are here, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so let me just begin by saying this to you that the sum total of everything that we have said so far is this that we are saved and saved eternally somebody say it very loud amen here on this place our victory our breakthroughs our miracles our blessings comes or manifest as we learn, listen to me carefully, as we learn how to live in the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me recap that one more time. Everything that we have said so far, the sum total of what we have said so far, up to this moment, is that we are saved and saved eternally. We live our life here, our victory, our miracles, our manifestation, our blessings comes as we learn to live in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Alright, so bodily, we live here physically in this realm. But you and I are designed to walk and live in the Spirit of God. Please pay close attention. Bodily, that means you can see me this morning. I can see you bodily. We are designed to be here physically. But our miracles, our blessings, our manifestations come as we live from the Spirit of God. When I say from the Spirit of God, I'm saying from the God of them. When I say the Spirit of God, I'm talking about living in the kingdom of God. When I say the Spirit of God, I'm talking about living in the realm of the Spirit. Now, I'm just recapping all that we've been teaching for the past weeks. Now, listen to me. There are two cardinal realities that we talk about. We have said this over and over. There's the spiritual realm and there's the physical realm. Is that true? There's the realm of the physical. There's the realm of the spirit. Now, let's push it a little further this morning. I want to let you understand that in these two realms, there's a law in operation. There's a law that rules in these two realms. There's a law that guides these students. First of all, in the natural realm, we explained this last Sunday. In the natural realm, in the realm of the natural, it is the knowledge of good and evil 
gives back to the law. Please listen to me very carefully. The knowledge of good and evil gives birth to the law. The law gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. That's the law. You cannot change it and it's oppression everywhere. In the natural realm, please pay close attention. We started from the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil gave birth to the law. The law gave birth to sin and sin gave birth to death. Now watch this carefully. Without the knowledge of good and evil, there will be no law. Please pay attention. Without the knowledge of good and evil, what is the knowledge of good and evil? Do these things and God will be happy with you. Don't do this once. If you do this once, God will be angry. Right? So now there's a law, right? There's a law. Look up here. If you notice carefully, God never gave them any law. Now, the knowledge of good and evil produces law. Thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do this. And now listen to me carefully. Once there is a law, then there is sin. If there is no law, there will be no sin. If there is no law, there will be no sin. Listen to me carefully. Let me explain to you. Since you came here, I have never said to you, thou shalt not look at the speakers. Have I said that? So that means if you look at the speakers, you didn't do anything wrong. Right? There's no sin, right? But the moment I said to you, thou shalt not listen, look at these speakers, what have I done? I have created an opportunity for you to stumble. Because once you look at the speaker, you have done something wrong. That means you have sinned, right? Are you with me so far? I, I, you, you get the point I'm making. So, so because I have never said that shall not look at the speaker, you can, even I can be talking self, you ignore me and be looking at the speaker. There's no problem. But once I said thou shall not look, maybe because I noticed that people are always, always looking at the speaker. And I come and say, when pastor is speaking, it's bad to look at the speaker. Look at the pastor alone. Now there's a law, right? Because of that law, sin cannot be present. And listen to me carefully. I have never told you never to look at that speaker. If I make a mistake now and say, thou shalt not look at that speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, what will you be looking at? That's what you'll be looking at. In fact, be, as I'm talking, you're wondering, what exactly is this speaker? <laughs> That's the nature of man. And so where there's no law, there's no sin. And where there's no sin, there's no death. Please listen to me carefully. Because you have to understand this, this foundation. The knowledge of good and evil gave birth to the law. The law, because there's law now, there is sin. If there's no law, there's no sin. Because there's law, there is sin. And then because of sin, there's death. The Bible says, by one man sin entered the world, and then death came from sin. So we got to death from the knowledge of good and evil. Look up here. Remember what God said to them. The day you will eat of this tree, you shall do what? Die. So when they consume it, the ultimate end of this law is death. It doesn't matter how you play it. The ultimate end of following rouge is death. It doesn't matter how you play it. Unfortunately, you and I were lured into religion where they added more and more laws. But if you follow laws, it has only one destination and that destination is there. That is a cardinal law that nobody changes. 
there is death because there is sin. There is sin because there is law. There is law because there is the knowledge of good and evil. Now, because I want to read a lot of scriptures, let me push forward to mention this to you. That I just explained to you the law in oppression in the natural realm. So let's talk about the spiritual one. In the spiritual realm, there is also a law. And I'll show you the scriptures now. In the spiritual realm, we begin, watch this, not by the knowledge of good and evil. We start with the knowledge of Christ. Somebody say amen. We started with what? The knowledge of Christ. And when the knowledge of Christ comes, we receive the spirit, not the law. When we come to Christ, we receive the spirit as opposed to the law. When we come to Christ, remember, natural realm, knowledge of good and evil, then the law. Right here, in the realm of the spirit, we begin with the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of Christ brings us to a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the spirit, not the law. No wonder the Bible says, those who are led by the Spirit are not under the law. Is that true? There are two opposite ends. Now, because we receive the Spirit, the Spirit produces in us the nature of righteousness as opposed to sin. Remember the natural realm? Knowledge of good and evil, law, sin, and death. In the spiritual realm, Christ, spirit, righteousness as opposed to sin. And then righteousness produces life. Somebody say it very loud, amen. Are you with me so far? Is that clear enough? Now, listen to me. You have to understand what I'm saying. Because when you understand it, don't forget, friend, faith has to have a foundation. What you believe, you must be clear about what you believe. And what we're explaining here now is the dynamics of how heaven and earth runs. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost who shows us these things. The knowledge of Christ brings us into alignment with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as opposed to the law. And then the Holy Spirit produces in us not the nature of sin, but the nature of righteousness. And because of righteousness, we go straight to life. So let's look at the scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1 to 2. Let's look at the scripture of everything I have said so far. So we're reading from the TPT, right? Okay. So it says, so now the case is closed. Somebody say amen. <laughs> it's getting, it's, I hope your spirit is alive to receive. Ah, so now the case is closed. One more time, let me hear you say it loud, amen. The case is closed. Now, this is TPT, so that's why it began like that. Don't forget, the TPT gives us the implied meaning of the scriptures. The other translations, you won't see this. But TPT brings us to an implied meaning. What the scripture is trying to communicate, that's how it's written. Okay, so it says, so now the case is closed. One more time, loud, amen. Now, if you understand that the case is closed, you say a very loud amen. amen. So you will know what case is closed. So that the case that God can, has closed, no man can open. 
So now the case is closed. Now what case is closed? There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Go back. Stay on one first. The case is closed. Why? Because we are joined together. The Bible says in life union, not death union. Remember, we are joined in life union with Christ. And because we are joined in life union with him, the case is closed. And because the case is closed, there remains no more accusing voice of condemnation against us. You will say a louder amen. Friends, condemnation kills. Condemnation is the source of many of the problems, even sickness. Now when I finish, you can go and look it up. Condemnation in the heart of a man kills. And it makes it worse when that condemnation is connected to God. As I read this scripture, it was unfortunate because we went to church every Sunday to receive condemnation. They told us how angry God was at us. Of how much we have failed God. Of how much we have not done enough for God. We receive more of voice of accusation. They preach to us about our weakness. They preach to us about our failures. Rather than the voice of hope, we receive voices of condemnation. Now, please pay close attention. Because we eventually come back to this place. The Bible says the case is closed. And we get to understand how that case is closed. But let me show you something that you need to be aware of. If you read the other translations of the Bible, this statement is so radical. This statement is too much to comprehend. This statement, I don't know whether you understand what the Bible is saying, that for you, there is no more ground for accusation. That's what the scripture is saying. Not because of you, but because you are joined with Christ. That's what the scripture is saying. This statement, it was so radical, so out of this world, that the translators of the Bible added an option. Listen to me very carefully. Paul wrote this in Greek. When they were doing the translation, they added something. Because this is too much to believe. This is too much to believe. That a man lives, remember, you and I are raised according to the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we are said, no, there is therefore no more condemnation. Listen to me carefully. Not because I did right or wrong, but because I am joined with Christ. Now watch this. It was too radical that they added a clause. If you read the other translations of the Bible, right after here, it says, for those who walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. They added a condition because it was too radical. How can you say this? Let's add something, maybe so that it will be a little more believable. So they added, if you read like King James Version or New King James Version, it's there. They added, 
a clause. Because this is too much. Because once a man is freed from condemnation, he's freed from the shackles of Satan forever and ever. That man is liberated from death to life. And for doing what? For doing nothing except to receive Jesus. Even the translators were struggling with it. They said, no, no, let us add something. And so they added something to it. Then other translations came and removed it. I think one of the first ones to remove it was the NIV. Right? They removed it. Now listen to this. Religious people now ganged up. I don't know whether you received that message. How NIV is a satanic Bible. That <laughs> and how did they confirm that? They said because they removed them from some verses. Every verse they removed were verses that was not in the original material. They removed it. Because it was added by translators. In fact, in many of the Bibles that still have it, you will see that it's in the italics. It's bent. To tell you that this one, now we add this one. But why did they have to add that? Because this is too radical. This is too big to be true. That a man lives here and there is absolutely no ground for that man to be accused. Don't forget, you have to be accused in order to be condemned. But because you and I are in Christ, there is no foundation for accusation. Absolutely no. Because we are in Christ. So if the Spirit of God says it that way, make we talk him as he talk him. Somebody say amen. There's no need to add. Because this is where the power comes from. Next line. Give me the next line. Now, let's go to the next line. Watch this. Verse 2. Verse 2. Verse 2. Verse 2. Give me verse 2. That is the law I was explaining. Now watch this. He said for the law. And if you watch the law is in double quotes. It's not really a law. It's a way to explain something. Right? Okay. So for the law of the spirit of life. Somebody say life. Let me hear you say life. What did I tell you? In the realm of the spirit. We go from Christ to spirit. Spirit to righteousness. Righteousness to life. As opposed to death. That's what the scripture is saying. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from where? Are you here? Are you following me so far? Listen to me carefully. Remember I explained to you the first law. The knowledge of good and evil. Law. Law to sin. Sin to death. The Bible says that the anointing flowing through Jesus has liberated, not is going to liberate us. But because we are in Christ, Jesus' anointing has set you and I free from that first law where sin leads to death. Are you here so far this morning? Please. If we understand the scriptures, it will produce change in our physical body. Somebody say a loud amen. 
events, you and I are no longer under that former arrangement where the knowledge of good of knowledge of good and evil leads to law, law leads to sin, sin leads to death. He says, mm -mm, because we're in Christ, we are no longer under that one. We are under a different arrangement. This arrangement is that the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from that first one. Watch what he says. He says, the spirit of life, not of death. Because in Christ, there's no death. Somebody say a loud amen. He has died once and for all. And that one death settled our matter. That's why he's dead. Because of what Christ has done, our case is closed. Somebody say amen. Listen to me carefully. Even Paul is using legal languages. When you go to a court for a matter, and then the case is judged, and then the judge closes the case. Is it closed? That matter is closed. Once the court closes the case, it's closed. Nobody can go back and go and bring it up again. Because it's closed. But this close is not even a matter of law. It's a matter of divine arrangement. That you and I know when God closes a door, no man can open. The Bible says, for this law now we have. We are not under the law that is leading humanity to death. We are under the law of the spirit that is leading us to life. Now watch this very carefully. Please pay attention. I just need to know that foundation. Now, how did God do this? Next line. Give me the next line. How did God do this? For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. In fact, this law here is actually the law of God. I told you over and over that the law does not have the capacity to help a man. You can say to a man, thou shall not commit adultery. What that law will do is to deter him from doing it. You tell him, if you commit adultery, you will go to hell. Watch this. He wants to do it too. But he's trying to hold himself because of the fear of hell. Right? But the desire is still within. Don't forget, according to the law, it's not just doing it. But if you shall think about it in your heart, you have already done it. And according to the law, a virgin can be guilty of adultery and fornication. Did you know that now? By the law, a virgin can be guilty of fornication and adultery. How? Because they thought about it. By the level of the law, whether you do them or you think them, you don't do them. Watch this. That's why you start to realize the power of our thoughts. In the realm of the spirit, you thought about it, you've done it. So in this law, if you follow this law, watch this. And what does that produce? It produces condemnation. It produces judgment. And it leads to death. Now, so, the law cannot help us. The highest it can do is to deter us. It can never change a man. But the desire, and watch this, as long as that desire is there, it will find its way. One way or the other. It will find a way. But God said no. Because the law could not do it. Yet, God did it. How did he do it? By sending his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body 
everybody look at that line to be what? The sin offering. The body of Jesus became the payment for my sin and your sin. Don't forget, I've been telling you, friends, in the realm where you and I live, sin does not exist. Why? Because God, God's son, gave his body to become the sin offering so that God could, everybody follow me, once again, how many times is he going to do it again? Once and for all, do what? Condemn. What did he condemn? The guilt of sin and the power of sin. Somebody say loud, amen. The death of Jesus on the cross was a sin offering. The Bible said that so that God could once and for all never to be repeated again. That death condemned guilt. Now look up here. Religion tells you to feel guilt and remorse. They call it repentance. Right? When you did something wrong, they want you to feel sorrow, guilt, remorse. And you know what that does? That is like a payment. You are trying to pay for the sin. You feel bad. Look up here. Look up. You feel bad because you are trying to pay for the sin. You feel bad. Hey, I cannot do it again. Look to God, Father. Mm, I will never do it again. Hmm? You are trying to pay for the sin. You can cry. Oh, I know some of you have been there. You go to God, you cry, and say, Father, if you save me from this one, I won't go back again. <laughs> you feel remorse. But look up here. All those are emotions, human emotions, and the emotions cannot deliver you from sin. Emotions cannot deliver a man from sin. You are you are trying to feel bad. Make it be say you do something at least. And that's what religion encourages. To feel bad. Because if you don't feel bad, you will do it again. Only that. If you notice that emotion is not permanent, is that true? Is that true? Uh, uh, do you understand what I'm talking about? Uh, because we have been there. Is that true? Uh -huh. That emotion is trying to pay for it. So uh, after, hey, at least let me feel that I did something bad. At least if I cannot do another thing else. Only that after some time, it wears out. And then little by little, you see yourself back into the same place again. And then you feel another emotion. But watch this. The more you do it, the less of the emotions you feel. Is that true? I hope I'm talking to a human being this morning. Uh -huh, okay. That is to show you that none of those things has a power to deliver you from sin. And God knew that. Because of that, he came. Say, no, it's not the way of emotion. It's by way of belonging. That when I am joined with Christ, there is therefore no condemnation. Now watch this. Why is the church afraid to say what I'm saying? Because they think if you teach like this, then everybody will go and start sinning. If you heard what I'm saying this morning and the only thing that is coming to your mind is that hey, it is time to sin. You now know that the spirit of Christ is not in you. Is that true? You can come here and pretend and learn the songs 
and even learn the tongue self. But the spirit of Christ. Because no man has the spirit of Christ who desires the contrary. Nobody. So when I speak about these things, somebody say, are you not saying, uh-uh. It is the Satan in you that is not saying, because I didn't say that. Have you noticed that? They always say, are you not saying, uh-uh. I will explain to you what I said. Friends, if there is anything that you need to be cleared from here today, it's condemnation. Because that is the root of many of your struggles. The symptoms is what we pray on. The symptoms of condemnation in your spirit, manifesting in symptoms, is those symptoms we want to we deal with. But today, let's deal with the root. Somebody say, Amen. Oga, the death of Jesus on the cross has settled my matter once and for all. And what God has done, no man can undo. Even the Bible says, if you read that here, you know what it says? He said, who can condemn the one that have appeared? That's what God said. Watch this. So now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled not through us, but through Christ, the anointed one. How is he doing it? Living his life where? Living his life where? So Christ is living his life where? Please follow me carefully. And he says, and we are free now to live not according to where he set us free from, but now to live by the word dynamic. Somebody say dynamic. Power of the Holy Spirit. Let me hear you say it loud. Amen. Oh, Jesus. What you are hearing may not minister to you deeply now. But I pray as you go, as you pray, as you meditate, the power will be made available for you. He says, this is the religious trans translation of flesh. They say, you know, now flesh is sin. No. Flesh will produce sin. Remember what you said? Knowledge of good and evil will eventually but Flesh here is according to nature. Natural arrangement. What is that natural arrangement? If you live by the law of good and evil live by the laws it will produce sin sin will produce death so you and i are free from that arrangement but now to live by the dynamic power of the holy ghost you know why it's dynamic i was explaining this during the life clinic where you make laws laws become become so rigid but how many of you know that there are situations that are not under the line of that law. They fall either here or here. Let me give you an example. So, you borrow, let me use the personal example. So, you lend people money. You lend number one, they didn't pay you back. You lend number two, they didn't pay you back. You lend number three, they didn't pay you back. Now you make a personal law. And what is that law? I shall not borrow money to anybody. That's a law. That's rigid. But how many of you know that because the first trade did not pay doesn't mean the fourth person will not pay. Is that true? Now that's why it's dynamic. Because it addresses every situation as it is at that time. You can look at this man. He doesn't look like he will pay. But the spirit will say give him. You look at another man. Belay like this. 
and he's quoting million million how he got this contract of one billion as he's talking to you instead of you say this one is not going anywhere as he's talking so it's dynamic that situation sometimes you may need to pray for people sometimes you may need to speak a simple word to them sometimes you may have to do it in this way another time because don't worry don't listen to me carefully let me give you another example you know those rules they give us for those who come here during the week this is a refresher for you you know those rules they give us they say well this is how to be a good wife or this is how to be a good husband those are rules those are laws if you do it like this you will do like this how many of you know that number one every other circumstance have to fall in line for that thing to work even when you do it how many of you know that right they say always tell your wife just women love to hear you love him i'm even talking about the good ones now women always love to hear i love you i love you just tell them i love you i love you i love you until one day she's very frustrated about some other things you say that i love you say brother hold on now for now just just hold on for now i beg i beg i, I don't hear i will think this i don't really hear them every time now what is this because that day something else has shifted now you are getting frustrated because you are doing the good thing and it's not working but by the dynamic power of the holy ghost you know the best time to say it somebody say amen that's what we are learning watch this so we are not saved to follow rules and principles and regulations no we are saved to live by the dynamic power of the holy ghost now let me warn you about something and we get on romans the next verse 7 god this is very important because god does not take pleasure verse 7 go to verse 7 god does not take pleasure in people who live in the flesh in fact the mindset focus on the flesh fights god's plan and they refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot example the mindset that is focused on the flesh is the one that will tell you that righteousness can be achieved by human effort they said no you can do it by your flesh so when we say no righteousness comes by faith they fight it because their sense is zeroed in their mind is zeroed in on the works that a man can do when we say no righteousness is not available by works they fight they cannot understand it next line please next line and it says here next line for no matter how hard they try god finds no pleasure with you with those who are controlled by what the flesh waiting bring quarrel between adam and god let's put it that way it was because rather than choose the way of the spirit they chose the way of the flesh what is the flesh tell me what i need to do and i can do it give me the rules of good and evil i have the capacity to choose good and to avoid evil and that's why when they had god coming they started to run even before god came did you know that that attempt was a nice thing they were trying to do oh this holy god is not coming 
and we are naked. We cannot stay with him. They began to run away. It wasn't God chasing them away. Now they have now started reacting according to the knowledge of good and evil. Except that it took them away from God. God has no pleasure. Listen friend, I need you to mark this scripture. Look at it over and over. God finds no pleasure with anyone who is controlled by the flesh. What is the flesh? Don't forget knowledge of good and evil gives you the laws to obey. If you don't obey those laws, you become a sinner. Once you are a sinner, there's condemnation and condemnation leads to death. Bible says God finds no pleasure with anyone. Next line. But when the spirit what verse is this? Nine. Okay. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life you are not dominated by the flesh but by the spirit. Somebody say aloud, amen. And that is your portion in the name of Jesus. I say that is your portion in the name of Jesus. If you believe you say aloud, amen. That we are saved to what? Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. You come out in the morning to follow a particular routine. For some reason, you make an adjustment. But the spirit of God is leading you in other ways. It's dynamic. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Now, these statements are very strong. You can be religious. You can go to church. The Bible says, if you are not joined, how do we join? I'm going to explain that. If you are not joined with the spirit of Christ, you are not of him. In fact, the Aramic translation says, the man cannot be himself. <laughs> the Aramic translation of this says, if you are not joined with the anointed one, you cannot be yourself. You know why? Because from the beginning, we were always created to be joined with him. I don't want to go off. I would have showed you now, in Genesis, when the Bible says, that God brought everything and then in all of it none was found to be suitable for Adam what he was talking about was this as nothing else brings a man to completeness nothing else satisfies a man except when that man is joined with the spirit because in the beginning it was created to be so and it is that need that has given birth to all kinds of religion because man continues trying to look for a way to fill that need. But you and I are not looking for because we already joined. Somebody say a loud amen. Now watch this. Next verse. Now, let me give you an example of what it means to live in the flesh. A practical example. Then I'll show you the answer in the scriptures. A practical example of living in the flesh is this. There's a natural law that says the older you get, the more you are liable to sickness. Is that true? Is that true? Medically, naturally. The older you get, your, your body is supposed to function less because things have started wearing down. Is that, is that true? That's a natural law. And it's real because we have seen it. We have seen people born, get old, and die. We have seen that the older the people get, their eyes will not work well. 
In fact, some people, by the time they are tired, they're already dreaming how to work with walking stick. Friends, look up here. It's a natural law, but there's another law. We are not disputing that it's real because we have seen it. But don't forget, we do not live by sight. We live by what? Faith. That law says the order you get. So you even begin to anticipate it yourself. You see yourself. In fact, you shouldn't start to talk somehow. <laughs> Already. Already. Because it's a law that is an oppression. And we have seen it over and over. That's the only thing we know. We have seen it over and over. But let us see what the scripture says. So that's verse 8, right? Now, verse what? Verse 10? Okay, yes, that's fine. It says, now, so let's look at, I have given you what the natural law says. And we are not disputing because it's real. But remember there's another law. And this is the law of the spirit. This is what it says. Now, Christ lives his life where? In you. Remember in Christ there's no death. Is that true? So watch this. Christ lives his life where? In you. And even though your body, watch this carefully, may be dead. Why is the body dead? Because the effects of what? Sin. Remember, I told you, knowledge of good and evil produces law. Law produces sin. Sin produces what? Death. But you and I are no longer under that arrangement. Somebody say a loud amen. Now, this is what he says. Your body may be dying. Why is the body dead? Because of the effects of sin. But ladies and gentlemen, did you not just read now that Jesus Christ has offered his body as a sin offering to pay for what? Sins. Listen to me carefully. He says, because your body, because of the effects of sin. So the body dying is because the effects of what? Sin. The body dying is because of the effects of sin. I want to say that over and over. So that expectation you and I have that once you are 60, you are supposed to start to lose functions of your body is because of the effects of sin. But watch what he says, which is the law of the spirit. His life-giving spirit impacts. Somebody say impact. What does it impact? Life, not death. To you, because you are fully accepted by God. Are you with me so far? Is this making sense to anybody? I know people wake up in the morning. They are thinking of, what will I eat today? You see, that's the problem of man. This thing pastor is saying, what does it actually mean? Will you help me to get a job? <laughs> this thing pastor is saying, will I, will I eat food with this? Jesus says, looks at them and said, he said, look, this bread, that you are so much conscious of. He said, if you eat it guaranteed, you'll be hungry again. That's what Jesus says. But if you eat of the bread I shall give to you, he said, it produces life and life abundant. He says, out of your, he said, this water that you are struggling to get, he said, if you drink it, you will thirst again. But the water I shall give to you, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. That's what the scripture says. 
Don't forget. You come here every day. The Holy Ghost is trying to re-engineer your mind. So that you escape from the law of nature. And begin to live in the law of the spirit. That's what this is all about. There are some certain statements that are very difficult to say. And I will say it. In fact, as I prepared, I looked at them over and over and over. I was convinced it's not time to say. But if you follow, it will be in your spirit. Guaranteed. I don't have to say it. The spirit of God will tell you exactly what this means. Without me saying it. Watch this. His the he said, even though your body is already dying because of the effects of sin, because we have been operating the law, we can be born again, fasting, tongue-talking, and still be living under the knowledge of good and evil. When I tell people today that I no longer live by the dictates of right or wrong, it shocks them. If you live under the law of right or wrong, it leads to death. Simple. That's what the scripture says. Watch what he says. Now, his life-giving spirit. He came repeating, life-giving, life-giving, life-giving spirit. Life-giving spirit impacts life to your body because you are fully accepted. The other translation says, because you are righteous. I told you that, remember, the spirit of God impacts what to us? Righteousness. And where there's righteousness, there's no condemnation. How can you condemn a righteous man? Next line. This is what it says. Now, it gives us, the Spirit of God gives us an example of what this means. It says, yes. Before I read this, let me tell you what's been going on. You and I come to church. We do the things of church. We pray. But look up here. Prayer is extremely limited. Listen, look up here. Look up here. Prayer is extremely limited. Where the mind remains unchanged. I want to say this again. Where the mind is limited. Where the mind is unchanged. Even your prayer is limited. Look up now. When you balance in the place of the spirit. Your prayer will change. The words of your prayer will change. Because now you are praying out what the spirit is showing you. There is a difference from praying from here up. There's a difference from playing, praying from the spirit than was. This is what we do. We come to church. We do the things of the church. But look up here. But we live our life according to the dictates of the flesh. And then when we run into trouble, we are not looking for supernatural intervention. We are not looking for miracle to solve that problem. This is, look up here. That's why I say to people, look, in, look up, look up. I love to pray for people for healing. But I prefer supernatural help. Somebody say amen. Is it possible? Is it possible? Let me ask you again. Is it possible? Is it possible to live in divine health? No, no, no. In this world where there is sickness everywhere, is it possible to live in divine health? Order? I did not see where Jesus was hospitalized. Okay, you say it's Jesus. I have looked at the scriptures. I never saw where Jesus was conducting healing service for his disciples. Did you ever see that? Instead, they too, ordinary men, became healers. That's why I say to you, 
the word God speaks to us is designed to raise us out of you. Friend, this is real. It's possible. Why? If it's not, the Spirit of God will not explain. Now, to help us understand, he gave us an example. Yes! God raised Jesus toward life. He's giving you an example of how a physical body can be quickened to life. He says, God raised Jesus to life. Listen to this. This is divine logic. Holy Ghost logic. And the since God's spirit of resurrection lives where? Lives where? Lives where? God raised Jesus to life, he says. Fact. Is that a fact? Fact. And because in that same way, and since God's spirit of resurrection, the other translation says, since the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, this one says, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your what? Dying body. It's not dead already, but it's dying. It's not dead already, but it's growing old. It's not dead already, but you already see yourself like this. It's not dead already, but it's going there. The Bible says, since that same spirit that raised Jesus' physical body that was dead for three days. Since that same spirit that raised Jesus' physical body from the dead lives inside of you. What the Bible is saying here, it is possible that that spirit will terminate your dying. Look up here. Some people will die. Some will not. I tell you this. Scripture says, all of us will not sleep. He says, is there death here? Yes. But there's life. In this natural realm, there's death. In the supernatural, in the life of God, there's no death. Because in the life of God, there's no sin. Where there's no sin, there's no condemnation. Where there's no condemnation, there's no death. The Bible is not saying the result of this in my everyday life. It says this. He will also raise your dying body to life. By what? The same spirit that does what? Brings life. Where? Thank you, Jesus. I know some will doubt. I know it may be too much. But if it's true, I pray the Holy Spirit will explain to you in the name of Jesus. That you will see. You will not only hear what I'm saying, but you will see it. Your spirit will see it. And then watch this. Then your language will start to change. The way you talk about yourself will start to change. The way you speak about your body will start to change. Watch this. Your expectation is now being aligned with the spirit. Not what the word says. Don't forget. Jesus says, God takes no pleasure in a man who is controlled by the flesh. We are saved 
to live in the realm of the spirit. And I know that God is raising a generation that will do things that has never been done before. Somebody say a loud amen. If that is you, you say a very loud amen. And you know why I love this? You don't have to be a bishop or a pope. You can be your ordinary self, but living fully in the life of the spirit. How do I know? God did not give pastor alone the Holy Ghost. He gives to if you have the spirit of God in you, this is your reality. That's what the scripture says. It says it will impact. Next line, please. Give me the next line. Give me the next line quickly. So then, watch this. The instruction now comes. So then, beloved ones, remember, I am teaching you Romans chapter 8, line by line, from verse 1 to 14. This scripture is not put out of context. No. That's why I have to go from line to line to line to line. We have been reading from verse 1. And we are going to stop at 14. He says, so then, beloved ones, this is instruction. The flesh has no claims on us at all. The flesh has no power to dictate my life any longer if I refuse to submit to it. And he says, we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it because we have been freed from his power he says you are nothing may your language change in the name of Jesus if you see what the spirit of God is showing you right from here you will receive new languages when you think about your life when you think about your body when you think about illness when you think about healing, then you see things differently. We have no obligation because Christ has freed us from it. The death of Christ is God's once and for all payment that frees us from the power of the flesh that we may launch in the spirit. So we have no obligation at all to follow it. If we decide to follow it now, a choice. It's choice. Next line. So, for when you are controlled by the flesh, what does he say? What does he say? You are about to die. Did I not tell you the cardinal law of nature is that? Knowledge of good and evil gives birth to the law. The law gives birth to sin. Sin must give birth to death. The Bible says, if you let that law control your life, you are leading to death. Look up here. Let me give you an example. Have you noticed that when we quarrel with people, why do we quarrel with people? It's because we say they did right or wrong. Is that true? And if you feel that that person did wrong, how is it easy to forgive? Hmm? Have you noticed that the more you judge the matter between right or wrong, right or wrong, the more angry you get. Is that true? You are weighing the thing. Why did this person say this? But this is wrong. This is wrong. Look up here. That's why I'm telling you. Your miracle is lifting up to live above right or wrong. That's why Jesus looked at those people crucifying him. And he says, Father, forgive them. Not because they did wrong or right. 
but because they don't know what they are doing. If men knew better, they would do better. If the man who calls you stupid on the street knows better, he will not do it. If the man who tries to defraud you knows better, he will not do it. And so I can sit here and count. Have you watched? The more you count that this thing is bad, what does it do to you? Anger. 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 Even your blood pressure is rising. But when we live above the knowledge of good and evil, we can look at the fellow. We are not judging right or wrong. We simply say, Father, as you forgive, I forgive. For he knows not what he does. He says, hey, you know people, eh? people are bad. People are bad. You are still following the law of the flesh. Oh, people are wicked. Eh? Yeah. Look up here. The more you say that, does it make you happy or angry? And anger is not good to your body. I hope you know that. Hmm? See? This is a practical example of how we step away. And this is not for everybody for now. Some people will get it later. Because it makes you look look up. People want to be strong. It do me myself at one. That description does not align with the Holy Ghost. Is that true? Do me, I do you. It's not the language of the Holy Ghost. That's a language of the flesh. And you need more energy. You exact more of yourself. The more you analyze how wrong this thing is, the more angry you get. The more upset you get. Now, it's not only what they did. You start to feel that you are they thinking, is he thinking that I'm stupid? Hmm? The person didn't call you stupid though. But now you are analyzing the thing. Is he thinking that? Well, who does he take me for? Does he think I'm stupid? No. In fact, this guy thinks I'm useless. The person no talk like that too. You see, the more you follow that path, friend, the more aggravated you become. The more restless you become. The more you lose your peace. That's why it's not just for us. But Lord, friends, watch here. God is calling you and I away. To live above that dictate of right or wrong, we follow the spirit. Somebody say amen. And as we follow that spirit, peace comes. Peace becomes a manifestation. Look up here. I was saying to somebody yesterday, we can fast. That's what they taught us to be spiritual. You can fast two days, three days, four days, seven days dry. I never, I know the third one why I never do. But watch this. And the intention of the fasting is perhaps God will see that you are starving. God will see that you left food and your body is pinning you. And then God looks from heaven. He says, Kai, this is my beginning, don't try. And Jemichael, <laughs> Go and answer him. Isn't that that's what they think? Oh. God sees your fasting. He said, This thing I didn't want to do it. Kai. But this my son has provoked me with fasting. And Gabriel joined in the Michael to deliver the answer now. Make it faster. 
See, that's why people get frustrated. They fast and they fast and they fast and they fast. After they fast, they start asking God, where are you? We are not safe to live by the law of the flesh. Don't forget. To fast the flesh will be to fast anger, bitterness, jealousy. Because these things are the manifestations of the flesh. And watch this. If you fast anger, jealousy, bitterness, frustration, the answers are immediate. Because first of all, it will change your own life first. And guess what it does? It improves your relationship with people. How many of you know that that thing you are struggling to get, that miracle you are looking for in the hand of God, even if God were going to press a button in heaven, a man will deliver it to you. You are starving. You cannot get along with people. You are starving. But you are angry at everybody. In fact, the more you fast, the more angry you get at people. The more angry you are. You, you see somebody looking grumpy. It's like, this one. <laughs> this one is <only> fast. <laughs> this one is <only> fast. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> they know they fast. You're not more angry. It's bondage, friends. You and I are saved to live by the Spirit. And what the Spirit produces in us is love, which produces joy, peace, kindness, patience. That's what it produces. And if we manifest this, the miracles are instant because you can see it. Let me finish up here. This is what it says. When you live controlled by the impulses of the flesh, selfishness, jealousy, anger, backbiting, it says you are about to die. Nobody say you don't die or you still a worker, but you are about to die. The scripture says. Now, but somebody say but if the life of the spirit puts to death. The corrupt ways of the flesh. What does it say? We then taste his abundant life. Somebody say amen. Glory. We taste his abundant life. Friend, this is not happen. This is not what happens when we die and go to heaven. This is our reality. We can taste his abundant life. Finally, he says, the mature children of God are those who are more by the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. Let's give Jesus a clap in the house. Amen.